Hey Dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo and today I am of course talking with the awesome Matt Borelli who is sitting here across from me, my my Robin to my Howard. <laughs> and of course I'm joined again here with uh, the lovely Ava Grace who just startled because I moved my hand a little bit. Um, and we're, we're of course broadcasting live on this Monday uh, and this episode goes out Tuesday, tomorrow, but we're broadcasting live on Facebook Live. So, uh, you know, if you're not following me on Facebook, you should be. Uh, it's facebook.com forward slash Pardo Joe. And, uh, you know, follow me so you can get the, you know, get access to checking out these live feeds on Monday rather than just listening in on Tuesday. Uh, speaking of Tuesday, my guest this week for the show, for, for Dreamers Podcast is uh, the awesome Guy Hutchinson, who runs the Drunk on Disney podcast with the hilarious Dana Snyder, uh, who is best, I think, I think best known for the voice of Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, if you're familiar with that work. But he's done tons of other shows. Um, but And unfortunately, Aqua Teen Hunger Force just wrapped up, which is such a shame, because it's such an awesome, awesome show. But, um, but yeah, so... Uh, oh, oh, and he recently, in like in the last like six months or so, put out his first or first book, second book, something like that. But all about Sesame Place. Now, Matt and I grew up going to Sesame Place over here in wherever Pennsylvania, which is just north of Philadelphia. Um, but it's a fascinating story, and he got like unprecedented access to Sesame Place to go in and check out all the archives and the photos and all that stuff. And it was it's really really awesome. In fact. I, I need to get a copy of it still. Um, when we when we met up at the pop shop a couple like uh, probably about like two months ago, uh, he forgot to bring a copy of it. So I got I still got to get a copy of it. But um, <laughs> he's a great guy. Super happy to call him a friend of mine, and I can't wait for you guys to check out the interview. I think it was snowing the time when we were recording or something to that effect. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Matt, how was your uh, how was your week last week? That was good. I spent a lot of time with my niece, and uh, you know she's always very entertaining. You know, trying to find new ways to keep her busy, keep her off the uh, TV set, and the TV <laughs> set. Do they, kids even watch TV at this point? Isn't it all iPads and well, tablets? Her and her mother phones? her mother took the tablet away. So oh, so <laughs> she... so a TV. So that's the downgrade. That's the, like right. it's like third world country at this point. You got to watch it's TV. Like, yeah, you know I can't just hide somewhere and you know watch uh, SpongeBob. I actually have to like go to a place where people can find me and. Try and pull me off the TV. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So for this week, uh, a couple things. A couple things happened. Um, you know, Ava turned three weeks old, so mm -hmm. she's here. Back to uh, on Wednesday, she'll be a whole month old already. This time, even though uh, it, it seems to be going slow, the days just fly by. It's like everything's pushed and fast forward, but I'm slowed down in that fast forwardness because. Everything I do at this point is just like in slow mo because I have to like you were standing out the door this morning, waiting to come in, and then I had to like help take Melissa. Like I had to help her, Melissa with her, and and get some other things done in order for me to go out and just open the door for you. So it, it took way longer than it should have. And I was like uh, waiting for an audience with the king, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, or the queen, if right, you will. Right, true, true. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh. Well, so a couple things I wanted to talk about this week on the pre-show, the Dreamers Podcast pre-show, as I as I'm calling. I don't know if anybody else is calling it, but to me, it's a pre-show. 
for the for the interview that comes after the fact. Um, I had a long conversation with somebody uh, that got me kind of really fired up about, and it, it's funny that no, no pun intended, but all about the the motivation, the fire that we have inside of us that makes us want to do things and do more of it, right? And get like get better at it. Um, <laughs> so so for me, like I got really fired up about what was being said to me, and I, I don't want to like you know, point out names or, or anything like that. But, but I mean, Matt, you know, because I called you like right after I left. And, oh yeah. And I think I, t- I, I didn't even realize that like seven minutes had gone by by since like you got on the phone and said, hi, I said, how you doing? You're like, Oh, I'm good. And then I went off for like seven I, minutes. I, I could hear this. the fire in your voice building up. Like I knew it was in for a tirade. You're, you're pretty angry. That's I, I was, um, I was pretty angry. I was, I was really, and you just keep using the word fired up because you know, I, I want people to have the same drive and the same hustle and the same, like, I'm going to get this done and I'm going to actually do it and not just sit around and be like, oh, well, um, now two years have gone by and I still haven't completed it. And now I'm settling because I just have to get this thing done rather than getting it done right or getting it done to a level that we really should be getting things done um, <clears throat> on a, well, not a level, but a uh to to a uh what what's the word I'm looking for Matt see this is why Matt's here because J- Joe's vocabulary uh sometimes eludes him so and I'm talking in third person like a Ross Perot for anyone who still knows who that is uh but you know what I mean like th- to a not a satisfactory level but a exemplary example <laughs> like, yeah, not, not sure you're excellent going, level like like to to like to to the next level can we say the next level i don't know i don't know if that's that's descriptive enough but but doing it better than just doing an acceptable job you're doing like an accept an exceptional, exceptional. job yeah, that's okay. it yeah uh learning words with joe phonics with joe <laughs> uh if phonics is the right term right phonics i think yeah. i think it's phonics yeah so you're hooked I, on them yeah I, no i need to be hooked on them. that's the <laughs> that's the problem um so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really, for me, like I, like for me, I, I work to work more and I work to work harder and, and get more projects out. So like, for me, I understand, like I have a clock right above my head and, and at some point this, Ooh, this, the clock on this little girl is about to go off <laughs> if I don't get her more comfortable. Um, the clock is going to, to go out on me and, and I have so many projects, so many creative ideas and things I want to get done. But the problem is I don't have a team. So for me, it's like I have to work as hard as I possibly can to get those things out before the clock runs out and before I no longer am able to be on this earth and get those things done. Um, because there's more that I want to do than just the creative side. There's the, you know, I don't know, the, the philanthropic. Philanthropy? Yeah, like, yeah. or for Well, with the ick at the end. Yeah, I can't even say the word. I, there's a lot of charity stuff. There's a lot of um, good that I want to do in the world from the the from the hard work that I've created. You know, the stuff sure. I've created. So it's not. It's more than just about me, 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 and creating and uh, you know being recognized for my work. But but more so um, being able to help other people because of the work that I do. So that that I think that makes more sense, right? 
you know, I just, I, I, what is your, your time frame? Because you, you talk like you don't have a lot of time to get things done. I mean, is it just that you have so much stuff that you you feel like, I mean, because I mean, you had the whole rest of your life, but. Dude, life goes by fast. And, well, and and honestly, as soon as she was born, life sped up a lot. Well, sure. I mean, but like I said, I'm living it in slow motion because everything takes that much longer to accomplish. So it's like doing things that I want to do um, as quickly as I would want to do them is not possible. But t- the days just seem to be flying by. Like, seriously, I feel like sometimes I wake up and next thing I next thing I know, it's it's time to go to bed. But you enjoy the process. You enjoy doing things it's not so much uh, uh you know not looking at the end goal and all this is just kind of work leading up to it you're actually uh, benefiting from the work itself so you know it, it's it's work but at the same time it's it's fulfilling work it is the impression i get benjamin mullen just said full phil anthropic phil anthropic thank you uh benjamin mullen for that um <laughs> See, you learn something new every day. Phil and Thropic. Now, I, I'm going to be saying this to myself as I go to sleep, and I will be able to hopefully say the word. I'm going to say it slow because at, at this point, everything I'm doing is slow. But um, but it's all for the right reasons, right? And like you said, I am enjoying the process, and I'm obviously I'm enjoying this this uh, this little girl that's in in my uh, arms right now. But the the point is is I'm not used to the like I have two speeds, right? It's it's like fast or stop. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. And she's, she's making a, she's making a face. Um, so, so for me going slow is, is it's a, it's definitely a change and it's a change, not in philosophy, but it's a change in, you know, a lot of times the, the new, like the old ways that we have of doing things isn't necessarily going to take us through the new experiences that we have. We have, sometimes we have to come up with newer and better ways to accomplish those tasks. Oh, sure. Right. So for right now, like I'm trying my best to get things, like I've been getting things accomplished, but like I said, it's just not as much or as like as much as I would like to be getting accomplished. And she's back to sleep. Good. (laughs) Well, I, you know, it's not like you lack for organization. It's just, uh, to me, it just seems like maybe you have, you know, a lot on your plate. But like you said, you can't uh, work at your usual two speeds. I mean, you've got, you know, you're kind of going to work at Ava's speed at this point. And that's and on Ava's schedule. She needs to speed up. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's to get her butt on, like, uh, on the a treadmill. car or something. <laughs> well, no, it's wild. Treadmill. Oh, I hate treadmills. Mm. Um, because well, because treadmills keep you in the same place, right? You can run as hard as you want, but it doesn't mean you're going anywhere. Uh, no, it seems like an analogy for most people's lives, and you know maybe that's why they need to uh, get more fire in their belly and more motivation to want to do things and, yeah. and stop talking about it and get up and and actually start. Even like like I always say, it goes back to you know even if it's just a Google search, start somewhere, right? Oh just God, yeah. Start with something. At least then you can you know start to do the research. Um, it puts things in motion, or it can it can make you want to turn in a different direction than than the direction that you're in because you realize that it's not going to to work. Um, yeah, and you have to be willing to pivot. It's like a domino effect. I mean, I find that if I look up something, I'm like, I realize, oh, this wasn't as complicated as I thought it would be to get into, or hey, this is so interesting, like, you know, one link leads to another, and all of a sudden, I'm not an expert on it, but I feel like I know enough that, yeah, I could actually go and pursue this, as opposed to, ah, you know, I heard somebody talk about it, it sounds kind of interesting, but, you know, I have my own misconceptions about what's involved, and, like, I I could never, you know, so they just, you kind of blow it off, and, you know, you, you lose out, you miss out. 
Yeah, and and uh, I you know I'm all about not missing out uh, on, on on much of anything. So mm-hmm. and living it to the fullest because, like I said, I I very well understand that there's a clock over my head, and I don't know when that is going to end. Um, so the the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and we just got back. Me and you were out out at, at Home Depot and had a very interesting experience. Now on the show, I we the last couple of weeks or last couple of weeks that we've talked. Because uh, obviously there was a couple weeks where I, we were I was off from talking live on on Facebook Live here and doing the pre-show, but uh, we like to talk about management styles and like how people can do better at what the job that they have and and create better experiences for other people. Well, customer service is is you know it's all about creating experiences, and we just I had a very odd experience over at a uh, giant orange boxed retailer that I'm not <laughs> going to name. Uh, but you know, it's orange star- Julius, That's orange, Ju- no, it's not orange. It's not, not orange Julius. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the Depot one. Um, yes, the Depot, uh, Casa de Depot, <laughs> Casa Depot, I guess, or Depot Casa, if you will. I gotcha. So yeah, you're picking up what I'm putting down. So, uh, what happened was, I, you know, I had an interesting conversation the other night with uh, my friend Mike about how his parents had just bought a new uh, freezer out for their garage. And he pointed out that their old freezer was using about eight times the electricity that, uh, that, their, that the current one they just bought does. Eight times because it was from the 90s. And he's like, don't you have a freezer out in your garage? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well... If it's using like eight times what the current one is, you're probably running around almost $400 a year running that freezer. And I was like, I don't even know how old the freezer is. I've had it, you know, it's been in the house as long as I can remember. So it's easily been here since the 90s. Um, so I was like, okay, and maybe even longer than that, like maybe even the early 90s. So I was like, huh. That's interesting. What so maybe, you know? Maybe it's contributing to why my electricity bill is always so darn high, well, which really sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's something you know. You might even have to go back and take an inventory of you know just where you can make some uh, savings. I like can change out light bulbs for you know. Well, uh, we've done all those. They're all, all we're all, all LED okay. at this point, man. Gotcha. I and mean, we were compact fluorescent before that, but well, just you know, uh, even other things like you know, I, I tend to unplug a lot of things I don't use because like even if something's like not turned on, like a TV set. I mean, yeah, it's inconvenient, but it is draining power even if it's off and. It, you know, enough of those things will add up over time. Definitely. I think a lot of it's the air conditioner. Our air conditioner oh, unit, sure. how whole, the whole house one, it doesn't blow very well through many of the vents. So I think at some point I'm going to have to get somebody in here with like a snake and then maybe tape up some of these uh, these joints and stuff like that. But And, and you know, honestly, uh, money savings is something that I, I do like to talk about Dreamers Podcast on Dreamers Podcast because – uh, money, you know, dreams call, usually take a lot of money. You know, as, as Walt Disney said, uh, these dreams, t- it, it takes a lot of money to make these dreams come true. And uh, a lot of times, instead of just looking at the, the sales aspect, I like to look at the savings aspect. How much can we save to make these dreams, you know, to get money rather than, you know, oh, well, we have to sell more things or we have to create more products or we have to do this or that. Like we have to look at our, our lifestyles and see how we can save. So it hadn't even occurred to me that this freezer was using that much electricity. Or, or potentially, I have a, um, a meter. You can get like a, a little box that you can plug your electronics into and see how much it's using uh, and how much it's going to cost you a year or a month and then a year um, to run. So I haven't even done it. But we happen to be at Home Depot and we walk past the section of all the appliances and everything. 
And I was like, huh, I wonder if they got Frieza shirts. So we went all the way to the very back of the store. It's like a dark little alley. And I was like, oh, look at that. I was like, oh, man, look at this. The This is much more. Now, we have a stand-up freezer. Um, it's probably like 14, 15 cubic feet. They had a much smaller one. It was like six point nine with a with a top for like a top loaded one. So you would load open it up from the top instead of from the side, like ours. Ours opens up like a like a normal refrigerator, and uh, the power you know per year was twenty seven dollars a year. And I was like, wow, like if the one that I have, because the truth be known, we don't really use our freezer to its full potential out in the garage. Um, but when you need it, you need it. Like when we have parties, we always end up with extra ice or we end up with extra food or we end up with, you know, freezing stuff. And our, our freezer, it's big, but it's not big enough for like trays of food or uh, bags of ice and stuff like that. So if 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 it if in fact when, when Mike was doing his searches and he said that, you know, a lot of these old ones are using between $20 and $30 a month in electricity and that's that might even be during the winter months when it's cold outside in the garage versus the summer to months where it's not cold out it's like you know 95 degrees out there so i was like hey let's let's get this freezer i, I was like i'll figure out how to fit it in my little car it's not huge huge but you know it's big enough and it would serve its purpose and it's only a, it's like 170 bucks i was like if i can sell mine for like 40 bucks or so now we're not talking about 170 we're talking about 130 and we're already going to save that just in the first like six months, just from electricity usage. If if mine is using that that four or five hundred dollars a month in electricity or a year in electricity, right? Because even the big one was uh like the fifteen cubic feet was like fifty three dollars a year in electricity. So it's like okay, well if it's six times or eight times that, I mean that's that's where you're getting you're going to be getting big big savings. So here's where the customer service thing comes in. So I, I had to go find somebody. I mean, we're, you know, being at the depot, you're always going to have to go find somebody because it's almost very rare that somebody just happens to be there to ask you if you need help. Uh, and if they do, it's usually when you don't need help. <laughs> and then five seconds later, you need help. So I went, found somebody. It wasn't too hard. was actually pretty okay with that. She goes and gets uh, somebody else to try to get it because it, it wasn't out for me to just like throw it in a cart or on top of a cart or something like that. So, and she made us wait there quite, you know, we were there quite a while. And the reason is they have like, uh, what do they say? Like six or 10 of them in stock or something like that. Well, she said they just, just got three in. Like, oh, is it only three? Only oh, I thought yeah. three was at the other, at the other location, but I thought they had like six or seven of them. Well, there. yeah, now the story were in, they had literally just received, well, you know, received them, but they yeah. weren't, you know, put out on the floor. They weren't probably unpacked and what have you. They weren't unpacked. They were, according to them, they were still on the truck. Okay. Yeah. They were still on the truck. So, so I said, oh, oh, okay. And and I should have taken it further, but I, I mean, I tried to, but I, I don't want to be a jerk, right? I, and I shouldn't have to be a jerk. I'm the customer here, so I don't, and I don't want to create a bad situation for for other people. I mean, they're just doing their job and they're listening to that dirty policy word. So, they said. Unfortunately, we have a bunch of them. We can't give them to you because they're all still on the truck. She said, but I could sell you the one here that's on display. And I said, well, there's a bunch of dents in the front. I don't mind taking it off your hands, but it, what kind of discount do I get for taking one that's on the shelf with a bunch of dents in it? Well, because we have other ones in stock, we can't give you a discount on this one. And I said, well, that's where I was like, 
I'm thinking like, oh, okay, what do you, what do you mean? You, you don't actually, I said, okay, well, why can't you just get the other ones on? Well, they're buried. You know, we have a ton of stock cause it's spring and blah, 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 blah. Okay. But you can't sell me those because you can't, you're not willing to get someone to get it. So, and I'm not really willing to sit around and wait all day for you to get it off the back of a truck. So their other solution was, well, you could just go to the Washington township location, which is, I don't even know where the Washington Township location is, um, it, it, like in Washington Township per se. Like I know where Washington Township is. It's not that far away. But my point is, is I don't know. Like I'm here now. I want to buy it. And if it's not here, I'm not driving 20 minutes each way to go buy one. Like I don't need it that bad, but I would like it. I'd like to go home and just pop it in play, you know, pop it in place, take the few things that we have in, in ours and, and put it in and throw it up online. So yeah, they wouldn't sell it to me because the policy states that if you have them in stock, which they didn't, they're still on a truck, so they couldn't sell it to me. They can't give me a discount on the one. I was surprised they were even willing to sell the one that they had on the shelf. I was too, because I would have to think that they were just going to replace it with one of the ones that came in or... Yeah. So... And that one had dents, so it's not even like it was new. And the other thing I was thinking was, even if it didn't have dents... I have to transport it without any kind of boxing. So I'm probably going to put dents in it too, or some, you know, (laughs) potentially damage something to get it to, you know, get it home. Um, or someone might, you know, they get it's, I'm sure it's not super light. I mean, it's probably not super heavy either, but you know, you got to pull it down off of the shelf and, and all that. So that's the thing. Like at that point, see, if it was me, I would have been like, let me get my manager and see what we can do as far as like 10% off or something. Cause I still got to pay tax on that. And it's got dents. I don't really want it to have dents, but if you're willing to basically take the tax off, you know, and then like I said, I sell mine for 40 bucks. Now we're, now you're looking at even less money. Um, and I, at the amount of energy that I'm using, I'm going to save that excess money pretty darn quickly. Um, you know, without, without too much effort. So I, I just think that, uh, at that point, you know, policy really sucks. Uh, rules are nice because we can bend and break rules, but policy is, seems to be something that people like to hide behind because then they don't have to be the bad guy. Somebody else can be the bad guy. And in that case, it's policy. So, I, I mean, you probably thought we were really going to get a fridge or a freezer. It seemed that way. Or, you know, like you, we had a discussion last week about uh, not just hiding behind policy, but somebody has to be in a position to make decisions. You know, and you can't just constantly refer up the chain like <laughs> the box has to stop somewhere like okay i'm the guy i make the decision yeah or no and i could have asked for a manager but again i didn't i, just, I don't want to assume that she was going to get a manager i mean because we were waiting there for 10 minutes so you know i was kind of wondering what was going on mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe they went and checked the warehouse i, I don't know but at that point I feel, if you hadn't been there and if it was me i just would have walked i'm like you know what i'm not waiting around any longer i, I don't need it that yeah, i didn't want to wait around either we were there. We were there way too long to, uh, to, to, to end up not getting anything. Cause you know, had, had they have waited, you know, we would have had to wait a lot longer. So I'll just, you know, at the end of the day, I'll go back in a couple of days and probably get it. Then maybe I'll go back and they won't have any in stock anymore because they've <laughs> sold them all. Oh. So we'll see. Um, plus I have to figure out what I'm going to do with all my tables. Cause I have a ton of folding tables that are all stacked up on top of my, uh, my current freezer. Cause it's a side loaded one instead of a top loaded one. And I don't know what I'm going to do with all these tapes. Like, I got to put them somewhere else. I can't put them on the top because that's how you open the thing. 
So uh, gotta solve a problem there, but that's a problem I would have figured out pretty quickly had I gotten it and had someone help me move it and put it in, and put it in place. So we'll I'll figure it out. I'm sure. I have no doubt. Um, but yeah, so that, yeah, that was that was the big thing uh, from this week. Oh, you know, one other thing I wanted to mention. I watched a really good. It's not really good. It was it was good. Uh, the new Nicolas Cage film, uh, The Trust, with e, uh, Elijah Wood in it. And it's, I mean, it's probably one of his better movies, like, overall, I would think. It was very Elijah Wood-esque. Like, there was a lot of, like, funny parts that were, like, it was dry humor. But it was, it, it was, in, it was, like, situational funny. Like, because of the situation. Like, it was always ironically funny. Um, so I, you know, if you get a chance to see it, I don't know if it's on like going to be on Netflix or whatever. If you get a chance to see it, I would totally recommend watch. Plus, uh, what's his face? Uh, Nicholas Cage has a killer mustache in it <laughs> and, and he plays a cop. So it's definitely hilarious. Um, you know, so check, check that out for sure. Uh, yeah. So I guess that, that pretty much wraps up the week. Like I said, not too, too much happened. We made a big deal about customer service and, uh, you know, getting that, that fire in, in your stomach to, uh, to make, you know, make all this happen. But yeah. Yeah. I suppose the thing is, you know, where's the incentive there for the employee to, you know, go the extra mom, especially in a, like I said, a big box store, like the one we went to, you know, you're not making commission. There's really no reason to go out of my way to, you know, try and play. Let's make a deal, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, you know, granted, from the customer, you know, your perspective, it's like, well, this stinks. You know, I'm, I'm here. I want to buy it. You're not going to sell it to me, <laughs> or you know, you're not going to make a reasonable effort to accommodate me. Then it's like, yeah, you know, what the heck? But you know, I, from their perspective, it's probably like, eh, you know, we're we're that store and. You don't need your business. It's pretty much the yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, those are, you know, go to Washington, t- drive twenty minutes each way to go get <laughs> go get yourself a, a freezer. If I was there to buy a freezer, I pr- maybe I would have went, hmm. you know, to the probably Lowe's because it was on the way to where to where the other uh, depot depot was. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, uh, what was it Mike uh, Mikey here said that he 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 just heard that uh, Netflix is raising its subscription yeah. price by two dollars. Uh, even for the grandfathered accounts, mm-hmm. so going from eight to ten, I believe nine ninety nine. Yeah, I canceled my subscription. Account. You canceled your subscription, yeah. really? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you start to add it up, it's like, how much do I really watch on Netflix as opposed to how much I'm paying? I mean, if I really want to see a movie, I could just go to Redbox and rent it for like two bucks. And is it two dollars now at Redbox? Well, I thought it was I mean, a dollar a day. Well, I think it's like for the, I forget it was a DVD or Blue uh, Blu-ray. Oh, maybe Blu-ray is more. more. Yeah, probably. Probably. But more. Even so, I mean, it's like it's next to nothing, and I don't watch that many movies really justify. Plus, I'm already paying a hundred dollars a year for Amazon Prime. I don't really watch many of their movies. I do take advantage of their two-day shipping, but it's like if I really need to stream something, I'm already locked in. <laughs> That's you know? true. And, and all Netflix That's is true. giving me is streaming. They're not going to give me two-day shipping or free cloud storage or music. Or free books. Free what? books, free comics? I don't know about Maybe. comics. But the I thing is, but I feel like I get a lot more. From oh, you the get app. free music, too. Right. The so, Prime music is, is free, I, I think. I mean, it's 100 bucks. At the same time, I feel like I'm I'm getting my money's worth. You're getting something out of it. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't need things in two days and don't use any of their streaming services, then you don't even need Prime, really. Like, no, if you can point. wait four or five days for things. Sure. Like, they have free shipping on pretty much everything anyway, but two days. But for the cost of shipping in general, it's just like, man, I, you know, for, it adds up. Even for just like standard shipping, it's and like, you well, get big things with free shipping. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like, with free two day shipping at that. Oh, we're, we're moving around here. We're squirming. <laughs> we're squirming. Um, and you know the uh, you know, the uh, choices on Netflix aren't all that great. I mean, there there are some good original Netflix shows. Uh, for example, Orange is the New Black or Daredevil. I mean, you know, uh, House of Cards. But at the same time, I mean, there's other ways to get that stuff. That that you know, yeah. Well, not so, everybody has access. to I just those you know, Matt. right? So I can I can go to a friend's house that has Netflix. Is what I was referring to, of course. Yeah, of course, that's what you meant. Go <laughs> so. into a friend's house and Netflix and chilling. <laughs> Right, yeah, chilling. <laughs> with with your friends, or as or as well, you know, Je- uh, previous guest uh, Jeff Langley was on the show, mm-hmm. and he was talking about uh, which is a future interview. Uh, he was talking about his girlfriend because they're both you know performers, and mm-hmm. she's in Florida right now. So I was like, oh, you're doing a lot of Skype and chills, and he's like. I don't know what that means. I was like, yeah, because you were like way too into your career to, right. to have time to even know what Netflix and chill is, let alone Skype and chill, which is what you're clearly doing. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make it work. The, the long distance relationship thing. I've been there, done that. Uh, but, you know, it's not like she doesn't live around here. She just, you know, they work in different areas. Yeah, where I was going with that was, I mean, when I'm looking to save money, these subscription services are the first thing I look to cut. You know, yeah, Netflix, Spotify, uh, Pandora. I mean, you know, it's like it's all nice, but it's not it's not essential unless you're using it to its fullest ability. Like Pandora is great if you were going to use Pandora all the time or Spotify, like, or you know, using it co- consistently all around like every day, mm-hmm. um, then it makes sense. But if you're not going to use it constantly and use it to the fullest potential, then you're right. That's another way to save money is, get, you know, start cutting out those those services because uh, you can always get them again yeah it's not like you couldn't turn it on and turn it on. it's not they're, they're most of them are non-contracts except for amazon prime is a it's a year but you know it's, yeah you actually it's it's 100 bucks but there's ways to get it for less than 100 bucks yeah i mean there's been twice where they've had some sort of a special black friday i think deals or end I, of the I year paid like deals. 75 one year which i thought was you know I, it's 25 bucks but still that's a yeah good i mean savings, you divide that up over 12 months sure. and you're using it yeah um you're not gonna you're not gonna pay for two day shipping on most things if you didn't have it. Oh God, no! <laughs> I mean, unless you really need it, but then you probably would just go to a store, right? To go pick it up. Yeah, it's it's still cheaper even with you know paying for gas and what have you. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's definitely options that you can uh, that you can do to make that work for you. Uh, you know, the Netflix, well, the Netflix thing, like, you know, another thing you could do, uh, Mikey is get some other people. Cause they have other accounts that you could like stream it to multiple devices that are designed for like family deals where I think it's like $15, but you could have like three or four people. So now you're talking about 15, you know, $5 a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus I think there's some other aspects to why you would want to do that. I think like you get HD streams versus standard F streams or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's two different options they offer. Yeah, so uh, there, there's other there's other ways around it. I mean, even with Amazon Prime, you can set up sub accounts. Mm-hmm. So so you could split your Prime account with like one or two other people that live in other locations, and technically you could you know do that. Now, obviously, I think they might see what you <laughs> you know what you've been looking at. So you know you might want to be uh, careful what you're looking at on Amazon. But um, you know whether it's hey, it could just be for gifts. It doesn't have to. We don't have to be talking about anything adult here. Uh, it could just be for gifts. 
but you, you see where I'm going with that, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you uh, aren't giving away presents, what you're going to give for presents. Sure. Before you actually give them. Cause we, we like surprises. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, what else is, what else has uh, been going on? Anything else in the news that you saw? Nothing really drastic. Nothing that really jumped out at me. No. Well, it's already been wow. It's it's already been thirty two yeah. minutes. Um, I mean, last week we went for for an hour, but I had a, a ton more topics to go through uh, than than we do this week. So I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. I, Ava's been squirming around more and more, so she's probably gonna be waking up soon. But uh, but yeah. I, I think it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh matt i, I want to i appreciate you you coming in again week after week being my robin <laughs> hey you know it's fun to participate and uh you know it's, it's good to have a chance to sit down and talk with you and if, if people enjoy it then great yeah definitely um so yeah uh this week we you know coming up shortly is the guy hutchinson interview uh he is the author of the sesame place book which is really awesome, which I can't wait to actually get to check out past the, the pieces that I have looked at. Um, and the, co- or one of the, one of the hosts of the drunk on Disney podcast with the hilarious Dana Snyder. So, uh, definitely go check out drunk on Disney if you can. Um, great podcast, great, very funny. And if you love Disney, then it's definitely a great way to spend your time. And uh, until next week, Matt, it's been it's been fun, and uh, stay tuned for the interview. Hey, dreamers! This show is made possible by listeners like you. If you love the work that has been done so far, please consider going to howtodream.co/donate to contribute. Thank you so much for your consideration and support. Hey dreamers, today I'm talking with Guy Hutchinson, who is making his dreams come true by sharing his love of Sesame Place with the world, which I gotta say, being a local, uh, well, sort of local to yeah. Sesame Place, uh, I, I got, I, I love Sesame Place. I grew up with Sesame Place, uh, as I'm sure Guy probably did as well, being from uh, roughly the same area as me. To a degree I did, yeah. I didn't get to go much. Well, well, that's that's. I didn't I know. go a lot, a lot. I mean, I could, I could probably remember every trip I took because it wasn't that many times. But I plan on changing that with my daughter on the way. Good. And guy, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to someone else from my home state. Yes, and and you know what? I love New Jersey. It is. You know, this is something like I was talking to somebody uh, and they said, oh, you know, you're from New York, right? And I was like, how dare you? And I've just realized that it's like a New Jersey thing. They're like any other state, if you said, hey, you're from a you know a different state, they're like, no, 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 I'm from. But it's like people from New Jersey. We don't want to. We're so used to being kicked around by like Philadelphia, New York, that we're like, no, we are from New Jersey. and We love it better than anything else. Well, I I love Jersey. Though there are a lot of people out there that who really don't like Jersey that are from Jersey. They they just find a reason to hate it, and it's such a shame because we no. are we are right in the middle of Rome. 
I mean, yeah, that's, we're right in the Northeast, man. It. Right outside of New York. Right, well, Philly's right there. DC's not far. Baltimore. Love, like, yeah. we are in the hub. Atlantic no, City. Come on it, now. It's crazy. You can get you can get to from where I am. I can get to New York in forty five minutes. Philadelphia in forty five minutes. You get to DC in like three hours. I mean, it, you can go see all these things and then come back home. You know, to your own bed. You know, at the end of the night. I love it. Yeah, I. You know, that, that's that's the thing, and that's one of the reasons why I love. Uh, connecting with people from all over the world and having them come here and then we get to you know host them because we live so close to everything they're also they're always surprised because they come out here and they expect it to look like like one big highway with a bunch of parking lots and they're like well you guys have some trees here you have culture what this isn't what i expected we don't <laughs> and we don't all say use you know that's most most of us do but we don't all say use guys no, uh, that's not me. Though we are, you know, I mean, you're almost in Central Jersey, I think, right? Yes, right in the middle. Right. So I, I'm in I'm in South Jersey, born and, and raised, and and it's you know people are usually surprised at how different South Jersey is compared to what they believe to be you know New Jersey. I was once in. Uh, let me try to think of what the name of the town was, but it was um, what is the thing with the cows and everything? It's like four H four Cowtown. No, I, the four, well, I've been to Cowtown. I love Cowtown. That's only like 20 minutes from me, man. Oh, That's I love 10 minutes Cowtown. from me. Yes. No, but it wasn't that. It was a 4-H fair. I wanted to say a triple-H fair, which is <laughs> would be a totally different thing. Um, but I was at a 4-H fair uh, down in South Jersey, and I was just stunned at how south, how southern it was. And I loved it. I was like, I, this is like a vacation for me, and I, you know, and I'll be home in 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people like to think that they're from the South, um, even yeah. though they're, they're clearly not, just because no, they're from South Jersey. <laughs> I know, but I, that's the thing. It's like you get you get to South Jersey sometimes. You can really you can see cows and horses, and uh, you know there was a sculpture made out of butter. I mean, the 4-H fair was great. I wish you guys could go. It was like three years ago, so you can't go now anymore. I'm sure there's a new one every year. <laughs> there is, and uh, there, there's actually quite a few of them right around here, my house. In fact, I mean, there's a farm across the street from my house. Um, behind the houses, there's a whole farm with like sheep and chickens and roosters and stuff like that. We have we have farms in my in my area, but not like right near me. But you know, if I drive 25 minutes, I can get to farms. And when I was looking for a house at one point, I almost bought a farm. There was because uh, I was looking at different houses, and one of them it was like designated farmland. And I'm talking to the guy, and he had no animals, but he had you know I don't know it was like four or five acres. It wasn't a huge farm, but it was a farm. And I, I started talking to him about, you know, he, what animals he had. And he was like, well, I've had some goats and I've had some, and I started talking about prices and he was like, you could, you might be able to get a cow for under a hundred bucks. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. This house sounds so awesome. But uh, I ended up not going with it, sadly. So I have no cow, but there was uh, there, that dream. It's still out there. I'm still going to chase that dream. Wait, cow wait, you could get a cow for about a yeah. hundred bucks? Apparently you can't. Well, think about this. So you get an old cow. What they say is like you're looking at an old cow that's not making milk anymore and isn't good for much more than like taco meat. Those cows, those cows because I mean, how much is a cow gonna be? They can't be super expensive or else you'd be paying a lot for tacos. So yeah, you wow. can get a get an older cow for I'm I'm gonna say that that guy was right. You can get an older cow for under a hundred bucks. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I just go to Taco Bell and get, you know, my dollar my dollar uh taco or my dollar burger. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I guess that's I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean I'm not talking about it's not gonna be a good looking cow. You might this is gonna be an ugly looking cow, but it's a cow. <laughs> cow. Cow needs a home. 
All right, so guy, let's 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 get into your background, man, because we, we've already spent five minutes talking about our love of Jersey, <laughs> and and uh, I love Jersey, obviously, and and, and you do too. So it's it's uh, the feeling is mutual on this end. But let's let's get into Guy Hutchinson and how he got to where he is right now with with writing a book and and you know really uh yeah. making his love of sesame street really known to the world yeah it was it, it's it's a really neat uh, uh story um i i've been a i was a radio announcer for many years in new jersey and uh, i've done a lot of a lot of different things and i've always loved writing but i never i never thought i'd write a book i've written a lot of things that were you know that you'd write down and I, but i never thought a book would be published that, you know, would have my, my words in it. And, um, a few years ago, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, his name's Tim Liebarger and Tim runs a Mr. Rogers fan website. And what I was stunned about Tim was that Tim, uh, Mr. Rogers wasn't his favorite thing in the world. He had lots of other interests that were bigger than Mr. Rogers, but he ran this Mr. Rogers site. And I also found that Tim wasn't the biggest Mr. Rogers fan he knew. He was like, I know a lot of people that know more about it than me, you know, that are bigger fans than me. He's like, I love it. I think it's a great show. I think he was a great man. He's like, but this is not my number one passion. He's like, but the thing was, he went on the internet one day, was looking for a site with information about Mr. Rogers episodes. And there was no site. There was nothing he could find. You know, it was just little bits of information here and there. And I thought about that and I was like, that's a really, it's a really good point, you know, that he became the expert on this thing just because nobody else was and there was room for it. And now there were all these other like-minded people he then met afterwards that came along and said, my God, I've wanted something like this for so long, but they didn't step forward and do it. He was the guy who said, I'll, you know, I'll go ahead and, and make this, you know, make this website and cultivate this uh, love for this, uh, this man and this character. Uh, on television. So a few years, well, if we go back to the 1980s, Sesame Place opens, right? And for those that haven't been, it is a Sesame Street themed theme park outside of Pennsylvania, been open for 35 years. And I went to it twice as a kid. I got to go once when they were about five years old. So I had waited five years to go to it. Uh, and then I went once more, like when I was a little older and I was there with like my sister and like her friends or her school or something. And I was a little, I was kind of aging out of it at the time. And I really, but I loved it. And I looked around and thought, wow, this is, this is so cool. I wish I could go here more often because it's, it's right in my backyard, but it's a theme park. Unlike, you know, like people go to Walt Disney world, they'll go on their honeymoon, you know, just a, a couple will go to Walt Disney world. But you won't go your honeymoon and go over to Sesame Place and, you know, eat breakfast with Elmo and ride on, you know, the Super Grover roller coaster. So it was like this weird thing where I lived around it and I drive by it. It was it's right near the mall. So anytime I would go to that mall, I'd see, you know, like the giant rubber ducky they had. And I'd say, wow, what is going on in there? And then I had a kid and I took my son in there. And here's the thing I didn't know. I went in there with my son and it had been, you know, about, you know, 25 years or 20 years since I had been there. And so I go in and I start looking around and I said, well, what, you know, there's so much that has changed in this. Actually, it was probably close to 30 years. So much has changed in this 30 years. I can't 
place where any of the stuff I remember is. Like, all my memories meant nothing. You know, it's like you go to Walt Disney World today and you go to Walt Disney World 30 years ago, you go on Pirates of the Caribbean, you go on It's a Small World. It's all, a lot of the stuff is still there. There's new stuff, but a lot of the stuff is still there. And this was kind of weird. It's like my memories were all, you know, didn't, couldn't place where they were in relation to everything else. So I went online and started trying to read about it. Now, what I didn't know was Sesame Place in 1980 was three acres. Sesame Place in 2000, uh, right now, 2016, is 14 acres plus. And so it's just grown drastically. But I went online and there was like no information. There was um, there was a Muppet Wiki that had some information, which I've later found out a lot of it was wrong, you know, and it was very little information. Uh, there was a book that uh, came out and it was it was called uh, Street Gang, the, com the Complete Story of Sesame Street. And if you read Street Gang, and it's a great book, it's, it's very good. But if you read it, there's one paragraph about Sesame Place. There's one paragraph in the complete history of Sesame Street about the only Sesame Street theme park anywhere in the world. Uh, and it's this one little paragraph where they're talking about Walt Disney World in a larger chapter about Walt Disney World and the Muppets, where they mention uh, that, you know, Sesame Place is a theme park, that there was one in Texas, there was one in uh, Tokyo, and there still is. The original one is still around in, uh, in Pennsylvania. So I'm searching around, trying to find information, and it's, it's just not there, you know. And so it became a matter of I would go to the park with my son. So I had my little kid that I'm dragging around. He's a little baby and a little baby holder. And I'm dragging him into the park. He's, uh, you know, sleeping through the whole visit, but I'm looking around and looking at, you know, buildings and I'm looking at, you know, like, let me look at where this building is. And then watching people's home movies on YouTube where they were there in 1986, 1982, and looking at the saying, well, that building was there in 82. Then this thing used to be here. And I started to piece together all my memories and said, okay, I remember everything now. You know, when I got there as a little kid, there was a big, big bird head and you walk through his mouth across this giant bridge. It's all gone. I mean, it's all, no, you know, all is. that has gone. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's gone. Man. I know. I mean, but so it was, they've also changed the entrance. Like if you think of, um, Walt Disney World, right? If you think of the Magic Kingdom, you enter, you go up Main Street, there's the castle, Tomorrowland's over on the side. They essentially changed the entrance at Sesame Place so it's on the side. It would be like walking through Tomorrowland to enter the park because they, they totally expanded it. So what used to be the entrance is now smack in the middle of the park. So they've, uh, they've, and they just, they slowly expanded. They added all these water attractions on one side. They added, you know, different shows and eventually rides. And so the more I read, I kept thinking, wow, this is such a great story. You know, this is like a really fantastic story. So I said this, uh, like my friend Tim Leibarger said about Mr. Rogers, I said, this is something that I'm looking for. Maybe somebody else is looking for it. So I'm going to start taking all the stuff I find. Uh, you know, I'd look through old newspaper articles. I'd even go to the library and look at microfilm. And everything I found, I put it up on a blog. I just, you know, like, you know, put it on a blog. And one day, uh, after I'd been doing the blog for like a year, you know, just little by little, whenever I'd find something new, I'd put it up on there. Uh, a gentleman named Chris Mercaldo uh, contacted me, emailed me and said, hey, can I give you a call? And I said, sure, you know, uh, here's my number. Go ahead, give me a call. 
And he called me up and he said, look, I wrote a book for uh, History Press, Arcadia Publishing, called Adventureland, about Adventureland in New York. And he said, I'm working with them to do a book on Sesame Place. Uh, and he said, I noticed that you have this blog that has all the information. Every time I look for information, that's where I'm finding it. He said, would you like to write it with me? And I said, you know, I am so there. I'm, you know, of course. Uh, and... I kind of thought that would probably be the end of it. I figured he'd ask and they'd probably say no. I figured, you know, it's a big company, Sesame Street. It's like a huge uh, copyright, you know, thing. They probably have a billion lawyers and they probably have their own people to write books. Um, but sure enough, a few months later, we're on the phone with, uh, you know, people from Sesame Workshop and they're asking me questions about it. They're like, why do you think we need this book? And I'm, you know, and like as if uh, one of those times where you open your mouth and words come out and you hadn't even thought of them, I just started saying stuff that must have been brilliant to them. You know, I was just saying, I was like, you guys need to, you know, uh, fuel nostalgia. And, you know, people love nostalgia and they'll look at this book and they'll say, hey, I was there. That's where I played. And I played at this place when I was little. And now my kid's playing here and that they'll connect your, their memories to your park better. And, and I, I said all this stuff and the woman goes, that's a wonderful answer. And I was like, good, because I don't even remember what I said. Uh, but next thing you know, we're putting this book together and I'll tell you, it was for somebody like me, that's a big theme park guy and a huge fan of Sesame street and the Muppets and all that, uh, to be able to go into a theme park and have total access, you know, total access. Like I got to go in the room where you go in a room and they've got the, the costumes, they've got all the feathers and all that. And it was just, uh, like you could see what, you know, how they, how they put together, uh, Big Bird and like, you know, rows of Ernie's shoes and stuff and go through every drawer they had and look for photos. And anytime I had a question, like little things, I'd say, Hey, um, this truck, you guys have an antique fire truck here. Um, where, where'd you get it? And I, somebody would say, well, I'll find out. And then, you know, two days later, this gentleman, Greg Hartley, calls me up. He say, okay, here's what happened. They bought it at the dump. It cost this much money. This is the name of the towing company. I mean, anything I wanted to know, we were able to find out. And we worked really, really hard to make a book that I thought would appeal to people that had never been there. Because my idea is a lot of people, you and I, we know this park because we're local. People all around the world don't know this park, but they know these characters. And I said, I want to put this out in a way that if you've never been there, you don't come into it. You, you, have to, you don't have to know anything coming in. And it's a photo book. And I want it to be one of those things where if you're like me, and photo book means you flip through and then you read the words only when you don't understand the picture. I wanted it to work that way for people. I wanted, if you pick it up and you just want to look at the pictures, you'll get the story. You know, there was a, a good arc. So we, uh, we worked together and, and put it together. It was just, I mean, it really uh, was such an amazing experience, a life-changing experience. Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the thing about Sesame Place, at least growing up, uh, a lot of it was like you were saying, like it was more experiences mm -hmm. than like you wait in line for 20 right. minutes, 30 minutes and you get to ride the ride. Like, and, and the other thing is that I love about it is that it married the water park element to the yes. not water park element. I mean, do they still yeah. have the pyramid in there? Like that, that thing that you would like climb down into and like the balls would hover 
They oh so you're yes you're, what you're talking about there was there was two different pyramids that uh, one of them was called the Rainbow Pyramid, and it was you would go d climb down into like this sort of pit and they had this big metal pyramid and you put the balls on top of it and they'd float on top of it. Uh, there was another one and that one's there that one's gone. Both of the pyramids are gone. The other one was called Cookie Mountain and it was also shaped like a pyramid. It was made out of like tarp material and at the bottom was uh, for a long time was uh, ball balls like out of a ball pit, you know, um, uh, and they were at the bottom because when Sesame Place opened, here's a crazy thing. In, uh, in 1980, when they opened, the ball pit had been invented by a man named Eric McMillan. And Eric McMillan was the main designer of Sesame Place. He invented the ball pit for SeaWorld San Diego in 1976. So this was a four-year-old idea when they brought it to Langhorne, Pennsylvania. So it was a huge deal. Like in 1980, I remember like as a kid, like even my parents and their friends were like, it's amazing. You can swim without getting wet at this place. They've got balls and somehow you can swim through them. Uh, and now they don't have any ball pits and ball pits. I think we've, uh, as a society have decided that we're our hygiene as a culture, particularly children is not good enough to sustain, uh, ball crawls. But at the time, if you can imagine going in one and having never heard of one before, I mean, it was uh, it was a really novel. And this guy, Eric McMillan, that was his whole thing, was he went around and kind of rethought playground equipment. He, he looked at it as, um, you know, what are we doing and how could we do it better? And he had ideas like putting foam flooring, you know, how you have that at every park now. He was like the guy who thought of that. He thought of using plastic slides, you know, not having all metal slides and then using tube slides that would spin around. Uh, they called him, uh, Time Magazine called him the next Walt Disney in the, in the seventies. And, uh, it was not, it's not an unfair thing to say that he, he was, uh, he's still around, uh, but he worked on parts of theme parks around the world. I mean, he was, uh, this was uh, probably the most famous one that he was the main designer on. But like, if you go to, you know, Paris, there's places where, you know, he designed this area, he designed this, this ride, this section, and uh, just thought of things like cargo nets, like you were talking about how everything was very active. Um, and they were first on water uh, attractions for this area as well. Dorney Park opened Wild Water Kingdom, I believe, in 1985. Sesame Place had their first water attraction in 1982. And um, they were, in 1982, was very early for water attractions. Water attractions came about in the late 70s uh, out in California when somebody decided, they said, hey, if we could make... See, because at that point, water parks, uh, the modern water park started in 77 uh, with Wet and Wild out in Florida is considered the first real one. Uh, but there was a guy named, I think his name was Robert Budge Brown, who had a, he was a farmer out in uh, California who had started, he went to Italy, saw an Italian water park, which was all concrete slides where kids would get like on a little mat, slide down the concrete. And he thought, well, this is this is great. I'm going to bring this back to California, builds his own water park with these concrete slides. But people kept getting stuck. They'd fall off their mat, you know, and he thought they were too slow. And he started experimenting with using fiberglass. And that's when water slides went from being, you know, you'd slowly come down them to, whoosh, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd sweep down, you know, 10 miles an hour or whatever, you know, and faster and faster until now, you know, they're just crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, that that's a 
that's a ton of history and i love it's it. a lot yeah it's a lot at once i'm sorry no, I, no, no, i'll it's talk right. slower <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I, I you're 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 a fine guy um I'm, I'm super passionate about this stuff i find that the history of theme parks you and i were both big disney fans and i find that the history of disney theme parks is catalog to a degree that you can't imagine. If you, if I want to go online and say, when did they put the fence up over here? You know, right in front of this, uh, you know, uh, area of Fantasmic or something. You know, I can look up and be like, oh, okay, that was, you know, that went up on March 13th, and then they painted it on, you know, on in June. You know, I can read all that, but I feel like every other theme park in the world. There's no, there seems to be almost no attention to history on it. And I feel like it's, it is like the thing that at least I do. And I feel like a huge amount of people in this country and this world look at it as being the most important thing in their life. It's their one, you know, it's the thing they look forward to all year is they're going to theme parks. You know, they're going to, they're going to work all the time. And then when they get that break, that's what they're going to do for fun. And I feel like it's something that, you know. Like we, you know, other entertainment, movies, things like that, we we write the history down to a degree that you, but nobody knows. You go to even even a place like uh, like uh, Walt Disney World or even Universal Studios, people don't know who built any of these rides. There's no closing credits for them. You know, I feel like that kind of stuff is is fascinating, and and I feel like it's something that should that needs to be preserved for for future generations and even just for the current generation. Oh, definitely, and and like you said, but with Disney, in in Disney's case, a lot of that stuff, you you, you know, you do a Google search and you're gonna get yeah. names out the wazoo. Right. Uh, but with with a place like Sesame Place yeah. or these smaller ones that are local, yeah, you're not gonna necessarily get that. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe uh, when when I looked it up, I said, "Wow, there's no book," you know. And if there had been a book on Sesame Place before mine. I would have bought it. I would have read it, and we wouldn't be talking about it now because that would have just—I would have just been the guy that read it, you know. Which is why I say, if somebody's out there and they're passionate about anything, you know, or they they look something up and they're like, "Hey, this information's not out there," uh, find it and put it out there, and you can be the—you'll be the guy. You'll be the person who you know who presents it to the world. Definitely, and and uh, just, well, just to to mention the fact that this isn't just a one thing for you because we are sure. both Disney fans. You and you you do do a podcast as well. Yes, I do a I do a crazy show called Drunk on Disney, uh, which uh, about I, I, we're a hundred episodes in, so I think it was about uh, I guess it was about two years ago. Um, I was talking to uh, Dana Snyder, who is the voice best known as the voice of Master Shake on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Huge but. Fan. <laughs> he is he's also done everything else though like right now he's on nickelodeon on the thundermans who plays dr colosso and he's you know he's always working on like 10 just, different shows i'm sorry i just i'm yeah. just thinking of master shake like playing on a kid's show oh but that's the crazy thing he's done so like many breaking kids stuff shows. and like yeah you <laughs> <laughs> like he's done uh he did chowder flapjack i believe was another show he did he did i mean he's done he's done dozens of shows he's done a few Disney shows. He was on Fish Hooks. He was the teacher on Fish Hooks for for you know every season of that show. And uh, if you ever play Epic Mickey two, 
Uh, he is one of the, he's the main gremlin that's trying to put back together the world that Oswald's at. And you got your paintbrush. Um, so I was interviewing him and I was interviewing him about his career. And he was an acquaintance of mine, uh, but this was the, we were, we were having our first long chat, you know, where we were, you know, doing this interview for another podcast that I used to do. Uh, and we were talking about his career. And everything kept coming back to, hey, have you ever eaten at the beer garden? You know, or then 20 minutes later, oh, you know what I really like, though? I really like the Jeremy Irons narration on, on Spaceship Earth. And so it just became this weird thing where we were all we were ever doing, you know, during this interview about him that was supposed to go for 30 minutes, went well over two and a half hours. And we all we did was talk about Disney. We didn't talk. We barely talked about his career. And so then like halfway through, he's like, you and I should do one of those Disney podcasts. And so uh, we then uh, our, our first guest was a man named Bart Scott, who's written a book, uh, a, the real man's guide to Walt Disney World. And so we brought him on as a guest. And then we were like, yeah, let's keep that guy on every week, too. And he was he was happy to do it. So the three of us have been doing that show for uh, for 100 episodes we're, uh, and and hopefully we'll do it for, you know, 500 more. And what we do, we talk, just talk about Disney World, you know, and we like to try out cocktails from Epcot and from the hotels. So we try some of those specialty cocktails. We'll tell you how to make it and tell you if it's any good. And we'll do a toast to uh, someone in the history of, of Disney. I try to find the most obscure person, the person that people wouldn't think to uh, associate with Walt Disney World. Wow, I love it, and uh, that's that's so awesome that 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 worked out for you. And so many times, that's that's a lot. Um, how a lot of people I know that end up with ha you know having hosts right. or or getting to host the show with somebody that you know has well, I don't I don't yeah, know if famous somebody... is the right word, but you know, famous. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's crazy. We've actually the cool thing is we've done uh, Dana and I have done live shows uh, for Drunk on Disney. Um, uh, we've we've hosted elaborate Drunk on Disney paid events in in Miami. Uh, we'll be doing another one over Fourth of July weekend. We've uh, last year I hosted a big Drunk on Disney event in Iowa. And so I've been able to travel because of this uh, crazy podcast and this, you know, uh, fun book. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it if, if you talk about following your dreams, this has been uh, beyond that for me. Well, I, yeah, I would agree. Does, does Dana like live in Miami or something? Is that why you guys always go to Miami? Because like, you've done a couple no. of events in Miami. I think, yeah, no, right? he, he lives out in California, in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, but we okay. always, what happened was um, he was doing a convention. He does a lot of conventions. We also did one in Washington, D.C. Uh, but we did one in Miami. Uh, I guess it was, let's see, I guess it was two years ago uh, this, uh, this month. So it was like two years ago this month we did one. And it was so great. The convention, it's it, the best conventions you'll ever find are these ones that are hosted by Florida Supercon in Miami. They do uh, one called Magic City Comic Con, one called Animate Miami, and one called Florida Supercon. I've been to a lot of other conventions. There's a lot of great conventions in this world. But out of all the ones I've been to, these are just, they're the most fun. And what I found was Miami was great because it's close enough to Walt Disney World that you get a lot of Disney fans, but it's far enough away that they don't mind making fun of Disney a little bit. 
bit. Like you can you can get away with like making a few jokes about Disney and stuff, and these guys are have a little bit more a little bit more fun with it. And so yeah, we um we just have been going to every uh, every convention. Uh, Dana wasn't at the last one I did was in uh, early January, and Dana wasn't there. But we did this big drunk on Disney karaoke event. So usually, if we can, the two of us are are both there for those and. Uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get to do some other places, but it's just, it's one of those crazy things where you've got the support of the promotion that's running the convention. You've got the locale that's kind of perfect for people that want to party, but also no Disney, you know, like Iowa, I was stunned at how many people there loved Walt Disney World. I was stunned because I was thinking you guys couldn't be further away from Disney parks. You're like right in the middle. Uh, but Miami, you go there and you ask anybody, there's everybody's like, oh, yeah, I went there last week. You know, I've been there, I went there three months ago. You know, everybody knows about it. <laughs> so I got I got to ask, I like how does your family take you writing a book and, and having this podcast? And well, um, I will tell you, I will tell you, my my wife has not read the book yet, but she's she's still planning on it. It's been out for uh for about eight months. She's flipped through it. She said it looks very cute. Um, uh, and my son, uh, uh, he would not let me autograph his copy. And instead, he took it to the park, got it signed by Elmo, Big Bird, uh, Cookie Monster. So they, they're they they're supportive, uh, as supportive as you can get. Um, and they, they all love it. You know, it's uh, it's been great. I'll tell you, my uh, my family, it was one of those things where I was a guy who I failed every English course I ever took. You know what I mean? I I did uh, summer school. I remember on that was the only time I ever did summer school was on an English class. And so I would love to go to that teacher and show her that you know say hey look you know somehow I figured out that uh, I could write something if I had a proofreader and an editor and get it published. <laughs> I put sentences together. <laughs> That's right. And people paid for it. <laughs> I I have, you know, like, I don't know where to put commas. Commas still, you know, fascinate uh, me. I have no, I just, I throw, I, I get done with a, with a paragraph and just throw a bunch of them in there and hope that they're in the right spot. It's uh, <laughs> like you're rolling the dice at the craps right. table. <laughs> but, and, and my spelling is atrocious, but, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. You got that, uh, that spell check. I mean, there's still, there's words that pop up. I, the, uh. Uh, there's a lot of I before E, you know, that I before E except after, that's not true. That's the, I, E goes before I all the time. There's, it's those rules, all those things we learn don't, they don't always apply and they confuse me, but I, I'm very, uh, it's been, it's been great. My, my parents are super proud. Everybody, uh, all, I got a lot of nieces and nephews and so they all got the book and, and loved it and flipped through it. And, Aww. uh, my wife, my wife loves it cause she loves Sesame Place and Disney World as much as me. So, you know, to have any kind of, you know, neat connection to it is, uh, so yeah, it's great. Everybody loves it. No, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. I, I guess it's a very good thing that she does love Disney and, and Sesame yeah. Place and stuff because, you know, it, it, my wife, she loves it. Yeah, she no, she does. She loves it, but in a total different way than me. And I think a different way than you. Uh, I feel like there's there's a, two types of Disney fans. It boils down to there's the type of Disney fan that they they're into it when they get there. They're like, hey, where's our vacation? It's going to be Disney. Love it. Can't wait to get there. Then they get there. And they start saying, oh, what's new? You know, what what opened? You know, what can we try? You know, what? let's go on this one again. Uh, and then there's there's people like myself who the moment they get on the plane uh, 
for the at the end of the trip to start going, all right, let's see. We could probably go back in eight months. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to check to see if there's any news on this. And I'm going to, I got to see how this is going. And, you know, constantly looking for updates and watching, you know, videos on YouTube of, oh, I remember that ride. And uh, so I feel like she's like, she's one of those where once she gets home, you know, you know, it's, it, it, you know, she's got no interest in, She's not going on, you know, mice chat every day to check what's uh, what's going on uh, and not checking out, you know, podcasts about it. But she's super into it. And uh, uh, and and I'm super glad about it. I think if we were both obsessed with it, it would it would not be as good because I wouldn't be like now I can kind of gauge when I'm getting too far in. You know, it's like I can I have a. I can see where the, you know, it's like you're on a ship and you can see out to shore. You're like, okay, that's where the shore is. Uh, but if she was out there with me, we, I would have no idea where the shore is. No, I, yeah, no. Cause <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's tough to bring yourself back, especially when you're super into it and you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I can appreciate the fact that you like to have somebody that uh, I, I don't want to use the term rock, but sure, you know. a little more grounded. I I'll tell you, like I've literally uh, when I plan a trip, while I'm planning that trip, I'm thinking about the next trip because you'll look and you'll say, oh, well, this is closed. OK, well, that's right. I can do that next time. So next time I should probably go back during this month. And you'll you know, I also like I really like to check out all the restaurants, but there's only so many meals you can eat. So you start saying, well, OK, we'll put this one over to there. This will go to to that trip. And, you know, uh, so I, I and I I plan it and replan it. I, I don't know how you do it, but I'll, I will sit there with a pen and paper and I'll, I'll write down what I want to do. I put everything into three categories. When I go to uh, Disney world, I say, you know, my ones that I must do, which is usually just a few, you know, you can't, cause you can't say you're going to, your must do is everything. Cause you're not going to do it. You literally, I want to put the ones that are must do is I, I must do them. So it's, you know, three or four things, you know, and then there's the, I really want to do it. There's the, I don't care if I do it. And then there's mission space. Because Mission Space is the, I definitely don't want to do it. <laughs> well, you know, if you did, you wouldn't have to wait very long. <laughs> Are you a Mission Space fan? Um, I like I used to like it, but as I yeah. get older, it's it, it's becomes more disorienting for me. I I see. I watched the video on YouTube uh, recently, and I was like, oh, okay, the video is not too bad. But I went on it the first time, and. The first thing is the the magic for those that don't know it's this uh, simulator that you're going to Mars and it spins you around. And the magic was ruined for me because two of the people, it was me, my wife and then two other people. You get four people and you each get a role, you know, there's like the engineer, the captain, the pilot, the, you know, I, I don't know, whatever else you got, the the guy who turns the, the burners off and on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you each have a role. And the two people in my group, the other two strangers, you know, that were in with us, uh, didn't speak English. And so they um, were talking to each other in, uh, in in Spanish or Argentinian or something the whole time. And so they did not um, they didn't understand, like when the machine would say, uh, engineer, please push your button. You know, there's these moments. And so they were the first two that had to do something. And so they didn't push their button. And I'm looking at them I'm like, you got to push the button. But they don't understand what I'm saying. And they're looking at me going, what's this crazy guy? Why is he telling us to push this button? And then it would go override, you know, override. And so I said, oh, okay, well, then I'm not going to push the button either. And so that <laughs> part of it was killed. Uh, but it, it really spins you around. It does one of those. Um, and I heard they're like, it's like a real space simulator. And I'm like, great. I'm not going to outer space. Give me the fake simulator. That's fun. 
And so then I remember, you know, a couple people had some serious, serious issues on it. And so they they opened up a, uh, a lesser version, right? The green version. And I said, oh, now I'm in. I said, I can't wait. So I go back, second time I'm ever going to go on this. And I go in and I was like, well, that wasn't any different. I felt like it spun me exactly the same amount. Hey, it's and not supposed to spin. It, it doesn't go upside down from what I understand, but it still moves. It's not stationary. Huh. I thought it was sta stationary and, and just like rocked back and forth. Well, I may have had a lot to drink that day, Joe. So <laughs> I there mean, is uh, there's another possibility. Considering the source, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guy, what uh, what would you say has your, been your biggest roadblock, like with the book or or yeah. podcasting? Well, you know. Um, so I, I've written a lot of other things. I've written a, a handful of books. And I find that I can't – I'm not a good judge of what I've done, whether it's, you know, uh, A, B, C, or D material. And I kind of – like you, you – the best thing that you need is you need to have some kind of – if you're going to write or if you're going to do anything, whatever it is – uh, it's good to have some other people that know how to do it better than you that you can turn to. Uh, and I have some really good friends um, that like I have a friend named Zach Knudsen who just did the uh, the Captain America special that was on on ABC. And uh, Zach is a he, he directs uh, documentaries, but he knows story better than anybody else. And so when I have questions about the layout of a story, I'll tell him and he'll usually just look at it and say, well, move this to here, move that to here. And you'll say, wow, I never would have thought to do that. But, it, you know, so it's always good, I find, to have have some because that to me is like the biggest roadblock. And there is always the thing where if you wrote it, you usually like it. That's why you wrote it. That's why you thought it. And that's why you put it out on paper. And that's why I really like, I like collaborating. I, you know, I did this one with Chris and, and, uh, it was great to work on this book with him because I was able to, uh, there were some things that I looked at him and I was like, how's this? And he's like, that's great. And I'm like, good. Cause I thought it was okay. You know? And then there were other things where I'm like, and this part, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, maybe we could redo that. That's, uh, that needs work. I'm like, really? I thought that was A-plus material. But it's nice to be able to have, have that because that is my, uh, my big thing. Well, you know what they say, uh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, then you need to find a different room to be in. <laughs> that is very good. That's a, that's good advice. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I know I agree having somebody that can put things into perspective for you, especially when it comes to writing. If you know, if you're if you're not the strongest writer, right, like you didn't go right. to school to be a writer. You clearly you didn't do great in school at, at, at the <laughs> writing part, but but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean a whole I, lot, especially yeah. like I said in today's world with editors and just work, you know, spell check alone. Uh, to be fair, helps. I did, I did do a lot of journalism when I got to college, but in my younger days, uh, when I was when I was a youth, I was a much worse student. I did get a little better, but around that time, they started to have spell check. That was really, to me, that was the and grammar check, where you'd look at it and say, "Oh, come on," and 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 so you do get uh, the good thing is I feel like we've gotten better and worse as a society because of that, because we don't have to know how to spell things, but because it's always correcting us, we tend to 
find new mistakes to make. You know, it's like you see it correct you so many times. You're like, all right, why does it keep putting the red line under there? Let me let me figure this out. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a great time to live in, though, because it is a time if you want to research things. I mean, even like when I was saying Sesame Place, the information wasn't out there. In another time, it would have been much harder to find it. I mean, I was able to, you could go through newspaper archives, a lot of them, without leaving your house now, which is just fantastic. Yeah, instead of sending, you're sitting in a basement somewhere at a library, <laughs> going through those, uh, uh, whatever, what are they called? Uh, microfilm. Microfilm, that's, that's yep. the word I was looking for. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it is. And, and it's funny because, you know, there are things out there. And if you were thinking about, like, hey, uh, I have a passion, like, like I was saying about something, um, but there, the information isn't really like together anywhere. You, you know, you can yeah. be that person and put it together. And again, you don't have to be like the biggest fan ever of that one particular thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was what my friend Tim said to me. And that's what that clicked so well with me because prior to that, I would always think, well, I shouldn't be the guy to write this. Who am I to write this? You know? And I think that's what we always think. Who am I to do whatever it is, you know, and you are, you should do it. Everybody to, you know, you have, you have my permission, you have Joe's permission, whatever you're interested in doing, go out and do it Amen. within, within legal uh, limits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want anybody on the stand in any trial saying that ah, guy and Joe said it was fine. I got a tape here to play. Well, I'll, I'll just point at Nike and say, well, they said, just do it. So you're going to see them too. It's true. <laughs> uh, Guy, what was your childhood dream growing up? Um, oh, that's a good question. I wanted to be Jim Henson uh, when I was growing up, and I didn't know what that exactly meant, but I just wanted to be, like, I loved the idea of somebody that he, like, I learned about him a lot when I was a kid, and uh, my dad is, he's not a big fan necessarily of Jim Henson's work, like, he's not a big puppet fan or anything, but he was, he when I started being into the Muppets and Sesame Street as a kid, he learned Jim Henson's story, and he found his story, his personal story to be very interesting and always would tell me about it. And I love the idea of a guy who created, I mean, he created his own market. If you go back to the early days of Jim Henson, he did a show called Sam and Friends on television in the 1950s. And Jim Henson revolutionized the way puppets are seen. The, the concept of the Muppets that we see today are far different than puppets were prior to his time. He created, you know, the, the general concept of what that kind of puppet is. Prior to that, a lot of puppets, they had punch puppets, which were puppets that didn't move their mouths at all. You had marionettes, you had ventriloquist dummies, uh, and he kind of uh, came up with his own style of puppet. And people even, you know, puppeteer, puppeteers everywhere, they call them Muppet-style puppets, you know, when they have that kind of a flap mouth. And I, I like the fact that somebody, you know, just created, you know, found their own thing. And it's it's uh, you'd think all these years later, there's less and less to find. But there's still things out there. There's people every day revolutionizing things. But I don't know. I always wanted to be some weird niche part of something. And, you know, I've sort of done that and I'm happy about it. And I'm going to keep working at it. I always like um, every now and then you'll watch a movie where there'll be an elderly character in it. You know, you see like um, like Home Alone and you see like the old man lives next door and uh, that you, the, he you thinks, aspire to be that old man. No, no. I, I, <laughs> okay. well, I do. Yes. I want to carry around my <laughs> shovel and keep the bodies in there so the salt will turn them into mummies like uh, like his brother said. No, but every now and then I'll I'll see one of those movies and I'll look up that actor 
and I'll find out, you know, that wasn't an actor. That was a guy. The guy in Home Alone was an actor. But sometimes you'll read these and they'll be like, no, it was this old lady who, you know, they were talking to when they were making the uh, pre-production stuff. She was a secretary at whatever. Or she was the mother of somebody. And they thought she was so charming or he was so interesting that they put him in this movie. And then here's this person that's 80 years old that then says, hey, this is what I want to do. There was an actor named Burt Mustin. If you go back into the days when he was on, um, I think, Leave it to Beaver, and then he was later on All in the Family, and he did tons of movies. But he was a guy who, as a senior citizen, became an actor. Uh, Colonel Sanders became Colonel Sanders, became the head of KFC, the world-famous chicken uh, entrepreneur, after he was over 65 years old. So I feel like the cool thing also is that you never you never have to stop following your dreams. There's always there's always time to follow your dreams. And you know, it's important that it's like, you know, sometimes you what was it? I I remember watching a commercial once it was for the golf it was like for the golf channel or something like that. Right. It's like, "Hey, you know, what, you know, these kids weren't amazing at everything else until they put a golf club in their hand and now these kids are amazing at golf." So, in life, you know, sometimes you don't know that you're going to wind up being good at something or that perfect type of role uh if you were trying to go for acting or discovered by accident. Um, and until you're that age, right? Cause you might not have been good at it at a young age for one reason or other. You didn't have that look, that distinguished look, or you didn't sure. have that old man look or that old lady nice. look or the, whatever they're looking for at the time. And that's one of the things talking with, uh, a previous guest is like, he's like, I love being an actor in New York. He's like, because you know what? I get roles for bald fat guys. Yeah, that's yeah, what, that that's the thing. So yeah, I don't exactly. have to work out. I don't have to be somebody that's, I'm not. And he's like, you know what? Niche. Everything worked for me when I started being myself and stopped trying to be the worked out guy that like kind of had hair. You know, like I got to be the fat bald guy, and that that's what been working for. That's you know, it's paying the bills. Let me give you. Here's another. Here's a great piece of advice that my dad gave me when I was younger. I was uh, I was on the wrestling team in high school. And I remember I had uh, I was I I was looking at you know it was like junior year and I was like I don't know that I'll be able to win uh, the championship next year and I don't know why am I going to keep doing it if I'm not going to be the best at it you know to me it was like well I've tried this for three years and I'm good at it but I'm not great at it and my dad said something to me that I thought made so much sense he said you know if you ask uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan might not have been the best player on his uh, his team when he was growing up. And he said, but more than that, if you ask Michael Jordan right now, if he's the best, and this was at the time he was still playing. Now he'll say, no, I'm not the best. I'm a guy sitting at home on my couch. But if you go to the best player in the NBA and you ask him if he's the best, he'll say, well, I'm, I'm great at this and that, and I have the highest on this, but that guy is better at free throws than me, or that guy is better at taking it to the hoop, or this guy's faster than me. Um, and so what he was saying to me was that that no one can be the best, you know, that you shouldn't aspire to be the best. You aspire to be the best you can be. And that's what you need to be, because there you, you can't set you can set your you should set your goals as high as you can. But you can never your goal should always be out of reach. You know, it should always be something you're trying for uh, and you keep reaching at it because uh, no one I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, like Mike Tyson, um, 
when he was, you know, again, I, I don't have any athletes I can name from this century, sadly. Uh, but if you name the best of the best, they still will say, yeah, but you know what? When I was younger, this guy was, when I was training, this guy was better than me. And, you know, and on any given night, any team can beat any other team. And I feel like it's that way in everything that, you know, that you should, that, uh, Never, you should never let the fact that you find other people better than you at something stand in your way from from going to the top that you can get to in it. I, I think that really echoes the you know the theme of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. With like just you know just start. Um, even if you're not the the most knowledgeable, you will f most likely become the most knowledgeable. And you'll you know again if you're the smartest sure. one in the room anyway, time to find a new room to be in. Right. No, it's, I mean, that's, uh, I love that. I, I don't know that I've heard that expression before and I like it a lot. I mean, it's a little different than, I don't than think you created it. I'm assuming no, you've heard it, but something but to that I love effect. It. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no it's great. Good. I think it's, I think it's very well put. Well, usually they say it in poker is like, if you can't find the sucker, then you're the sucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always heard if, uh, if you don't know who the crazy member of your family is, then <laughs> it's probably it's you. you. Yeah. <laughs> So, Guy, what are your aspirations going forward into the future? I, I've written – so I've written a lot of books. And one of the things I've found is that if you want to write, you'll write ones and then you'll put them aside and you'll start writing something else. And then maybe you'll come back to it. There's one that I started writing in 2001, finished it in 2001, uh, was done with it. Never did anything with it. Sat on a hard drive. And then uh, like a year ago, I was like, hey, you know what would be good? If I change this, there was, uh, it, was it, it took place at the Statue of Liberty, the story, and the Pentagon. I was like, what if instead of the Statue of Liberty and the Pentagon, I move it to Cinderella's Castle, I move it to Walt Disney World. And I started rewriting it. And I then put it aside again, but I had gotten, I, I rewrote the whole thing, right? And, and totally, you know, uh, expanded it to 50,000 words. And I'm still not satisfied with it, but maybe I'll have some other idea, you know, that'll come to me at some point for it. And Within that, there was a uh, there was a story about these uh, pigeons. It was a small part of this bigger story, and I took this this little piece with these pigeons, and I was telling a friend of mine, a guy named Captain Marvelous, who's an artist in California, uh, not his birth name, and uh, Captain Marvelous and I uh, were talking about this, and we're turning it into a children's book. He does uh, artwork, and so he's doing the paintings for this little idea I had. Um, so I always tell people just to keep writing. I have uh, I have several different things I'm working on, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, a year from now I'll have one of them, and we can come back and talk about it. But even if I don't, I'll be working on some other things, you know, and maybe something totally different. But you know, something, and I, I feel like the uh, the journey to doing this stuff is just as important as the end result. So if you never you never make if you never publish the book, you don't make any money off of it. That's a downer. But other than that, you gain all the experience. If this book on Sesame Place never came out, the experiences I had writing it, the experiences I had going into the park with a security guard who would open every door for me. I mean, you can't put a price on that, you know, uh, going into the office of the president of Sesame Place and looking around at all the pictures in his office and picking the ones for the book and, you know, picking the brain of people that worked there for, you know, 30 years. It's, uh, you know, it's something you can't put a price on. And and so even if the journey didn't come to the successful conclusion, thankfully it did. It's uh, it's still worth taking. Oh, you know, that the, the journey is is really what it's all about. And uh that's one of the things I, I, I started 
to to talk about is like people you know people are like oh i'm glad all this stuff that you're doing with dream is paying off and it's like yeah what do you mean starting to pay off like it's been paying off since yeah. day one i mean the goal right. was to be more of myself and yeah. and not have to be in the corporate type world yeah. right so and i was trying to I was searching for a nicer word than the than the other two <laughs> words but you know in the corporate world so uh it, it's and getting to be creative and and all that and and i think that you feel probably i'm sure the same way where it's like i work to work more you know right. like i work to put more work out you know get more creativity out and that's one of the reasons i love evernote because i put everything that i come up with in evernote and i don't always get to come back to it and sometimes it's product ideas sometimes it's business ideas sometimes it's book ideas sometimes it's podcast ideas you know I, but it's all there so if I have time and I'm looking for that next project, like where am I going? What path am I going to go down next? I already have something laid out rather than trying to keep all of it up in my head and forgetting right. so much of it. Yeah, no. And, and you never know, uh, you never know what deep down inside you actually want to do. I, I would never have guessed, uh, that I had any desire to go to Miami and throw parties for people with weird Disney themes and make drinks for them and stuff. But, you know, it's one of those things that I couldn't have predicted that, but boy, there's nothing better than doing it. Yeah. I, I, well, I couldn't agree more. I love, uh, bringing people together and throwing events. And yes. I mean, that's why I started a podcast conference. Which hopefully, yes. if you're not doing anything in September, you can come on down. I hope so. Yeah, I think last time it was the same weekend as a convention in uh, in Long Beach, California. But hopefully, uh, I think it hopefully was. it'll be hopefully it'll be clear this time. I'd love to. It sounds awesome. I know uh, Steve Swanson was there. Who's uh, he'll be there again awesome... this year, September 9th and 10th. We're having a pre-party and a after-party at a hotel this time instead of uh, a school. So I yeah, took I took Steve to uh, so Steve Swanson's the host of the Muppet Cast, and I took him for his first ever visit to Sesame Place and walked him through. And uh, I remember he was curious about it, and I said, "He's like, yeah, it's a, you know, but it's mostly for for kids, though. You know, you wouldn't go." I said, "Us two grown men, we will go there, and I will take you on every ride. We'll get our picture with Elmo, and we'll have a great time." Uh, and we ended up going with two other friends. So we had, you know, just a fantastic time for grown men. Uh, and I told them, I said, let me see. I think I can get us press passes. So I did. So we felt a little less silly, but I'll tell you, I never feel silly, uh, having a good time. Hey, I, I, I hear that. And, uh, yeah, I think that was like during the summer or springtime, yeah. wasn't it? Cause, yeah, cause I, think I, it was... I think I was trying to get him to come out here. I was like, Oh, you know, come on down. Like you're, he's like, ah, oh, he's like, I got to get back. And, and all that, but uh, but yeah, no, he 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 was at last year. He did a great talk, and uh, he's, sure. he'll be he'll be back this year. Uh, just see, I just hung out with him down at Disney a little bit uh, a couple weeks back. But he is one of the smartest guys in podcasting. He's like, and he he's not a person that lets you know it all the time. You know, it's like he he, uh, but he he's not a person that's ostentatious or or uh, preachy or anything. But he is he's a brilliant brilliant mind. Great guy. Yes, yes, he is. And he's a previous guest as well to the Dreamers podcast. Um, so anyway, 
I, you know, before we wrap up and let everybody know how they can connect with you and get the book, because sure. they, they really should, if they have, if they have a love of the Muppets or a love of Sesame street or the love of Disney or theme parks in general, like they should totally get this. And, and, and admittedly, I don't have the book yet. Hopefully by the time this comes out, you will have had a book signing that I could actually uh, attend. I know um, they're always very far from you. I haven't had any, I want to do some near you because South Jersey, there's a lot of people that are, it's, you know, the people that go to Sesame place are certainly in that area. So yeah, I want to, want to do one down there. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's talk and, and see if I'm we can make on one it. happen. Yeah, I'm gonna as soon places. as uh, as soon as spring comes around, as soon as the park, because the park in this area we get a lot of snow in the in the winter, so they close down. It's snowing outside uh, right now, actually. <laughs> but once the uh, once the sun you know starts staying out and the weather warms up, I'm gonna I'll I'll uh, do a bunch more and get because uh, I love I love telling people this story. Well, I, I would love for you to to share any last thought. Actually, you know what? Before we do the last thoughts, sure. Uh, there is one other thing I wanted to wanted want you to bring up because I want people to go and uh, I don't know if you have them available elsewhere, but on, you share yeah. these on Facebook all the time, and I absolutely love them. Is all these random pictures of old things that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, if you go to my well, you can go to my website for the link to my Facebook and my Twitter, uh, which is guyhutchinson.com. Otherwise, you could just go on Facebook. I think I'm Guy A. Hutchinson on Facebook, like the letter A for my middle initial, Anthony. Um, but everything else, like Twitter, I'm just Guy Hutchinson. Uh, it's H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N. And I, my big thing, I found that I, I did Twitter and Facebook for a while and wasn't able to figure out what to do with it. And eventually I found that my love of just weird old photos, nostalgic photos uh, with no context is is the thing that people wanted from me. And I was like, this is perfect because I like looking for weird old photos and people like seeing them. So, yeah, if you go on there, I, you know, almost every day, you know, I'll, uh, I'll throw up a few just, you know, uh, you know, a picture of, you know, an opening of a Burger King in Iowa and, you know, in, in you know, mid 1986 or a picture of, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters selling stereos, you know, on television in the 1970s or you never know. I mean, there's the world's largest pig. I just love <laughs> I love looking for uh, old weird press photos and uh, old advertisements. I just find all that stuff. I find there's so much I, I'm a big nostalgia person and I love that kind of I kind of like the nostalgia like ads, I think advertisements, I'm very nostalgic for old commercials and uh, old uh, print ads and stuff because you, you, it's one of those things that they go away. Like old airline logos are fascinating to me because you saw them for so many years and then they, you know, they, the airline goes out of business and you don't see that logo anymore. Like to me, that kind of stuff is, uh, you see it, it instantly brings back memories. And even if you never, you know, like an airline, if you never flew on it, it doesn't matter. It brings back memories of sitting on the couch at grandma's you know and watching a tv show and that commercial coming up you know and you can you can almost picture yourself you know sitting there you know eating like peanut butter and jelly or whatever you know on the floor in front of the tv oh yeah def definitely and 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 even um yeah growing up uh you know in the late 80s and, and early and through the 90s like there's yeah. there's lots of commercials and stuff like that in fact we had um what's the name of that 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 website that was all nickelodeon um that was like airing old Nickelodeon stuff like through the through the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, I can't I can't think it was like 
Nick Reloaded or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, yes, it got shut down, but they had all the old commercials in it, like baked into the shows. I, the weird thing is, I'm nostalgic about things that were decades before I was born. I mean, it's just there's something about the past that is so warm and fuzzy because it's already happened. You know, like the future can be scary. We don't know exactly what it is, but the past. Even I was telling people a story about the blizzard of '96, uh, and for the <laughs> blizzard of '96, I was working on the radio. I was a young. I was in my early 20s. I think I was 20 years old or 21 years old, and I was working on the radio, and it was a terrible, horrible weekend. And I was telling people about how I had to walk in the snow. Snow was up to my waist, and I held my bag over my head as I got to the station, which was a couple miles I had to walk. And I got to the station before you had a cell phone, so thank God I made it, you know, in this, uh, you know, covered in snow, frozen. Uh, my bag was wet. And then I, you know, had to stay there all weekend and just do this. I'd say, you know, uh, the the uh, the school on Oak is closed. You know, the whatever, the bingo club is closed. You just read things that were closed. And essentially, it was a blizzard. Everything was closed. There was nothing. So you were just reading the names of things that were closed. And it was a terrible, boring weekend. I was telling people about it. And I was, like, nostalgic and happy, like, with these warm feelings about one of the most, you know, trying, difficult weekends of my life. I was like, oh, God, I remember that so fondly because I feel like the past, it's already there. You can't, uh, it's like it's already written. So it's, uh, you know, there's nothing to feel but uh, but positive about it. Well, you know, everything was better in the in the past. The, you right, know, the that's old days how, were, were that's how we all live. I mean, I remember when I was a kid hearing, you know, my parents and grandparents do the, oh, everything was better in the olden days. And I was like, ah, oh, you're nuts. Everything's better now. And now I look at, you know, the years that they were saying that about the past, and I'm like, oh, no, everything was great then, you know, in 1992. That was the best time ever, you know. And every year you can say that about. I mean, every year is, is somebody's nostalgia. And I've even found, like, I found nostalgia for things that you would never think. Like, I love VHS cassettes now. And I, you know, if you asked me five years ago, I'd be like, oh my God, they're the worst things ever. Thank God we got rid of them. And now I'm like, God, you look at them. They're so square and rectangular and they've got the <laughs> artwork. Is so, and I like how they slide out and look at how cool these things are. But I love nostalgia. That's so, yeah, if people follow me, uh, add me as a friend on Facebook, follow me on Twitter and uh, there's, you know, I'll put, I'll constantly put stuff up and you can go to my website, look at weird photos of me. And, uh, I don't know what else is on there. It's like, a, it's one of those where it's like a little bio and then like weird headshots and, uh, links to links to everything. You and lots of jackets and, and hats. Yeah. Always <laughs> with the drink. Uh, guy, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share though? Um, that is about it. You can also, if you want to buy my book, I'd love people to buy it. Uh, my book is available at sesameplacebook.com. And you can buy the book anywhere else on the internet. But if you buy it from me, I include a park map and I include an original token from the arcade gallery, the games gallery that had computer games in 1980. I got a bunch of these original tokens with Big Bird on the front, Sesame Place on the back, and this place is gone. They don't have that arcade anymore. They uh, they shut it down in 2001. And so I include one of them with every book and I sign it and personalize it and all that stuff. So if you want to buy it from me, you can get it at sesameplacebook.com. If not, check your local library. If you can uh, check it out for free, you know, go for it. Uh, and, uh, and if you have any questions about that park, 
really, if, if you have a memory that you're like, hey, I remember this one thing, what was it? Uh, let me know and I'll, I'll tell you. I'm, uh, I'm out there all the time on Twitter at Guy Hutchinson and on Facebook and everything else. And DrunkOnDisney.com if you want to check that out. If you, uh, if you like Disney, even if you don't like drinking, uh, the drunk in the title refers to how we were drunk on Disney. We love, we love Disney before we ever tried alcohol. Not, not to be confused with drunk at Disney. Yeah, there's, you know what, I got to say, there is a, after we start drunk on Disney, there's a drunk at Disney on Twitter. He's a real sweet guy. Uh, he comes out. There's a guy, two guys that do a podcast called Drunk Disney. There's a series of videos that are called Drunk Disney, you know, that they, where they watch Disney stuff. But we were the first, we were the original drunks. So all of these <laughs> other drunks have followed in our drunken footsteps that zigzag everywhere. Uh, and I'm happy that they're all out there. <laughs> it, well it does it does help the community as a whole and podcasting as a whole could finally maybe someday crawl out of its like 20 percent uh penetration in the market of in the grand scheme of things so we're all we're all working hard for that uh guy i really appreciate you taking the time and i really hope that people go check out the book and, and get nostalgic and and uh there's a lot to uh a lot to see and I, i'm i'm hoping that since we live in each other's backyard we'll be able to hang out and uh, i'll get the book and maybe we'll even go to sesame place together sometime oh my god if you want to go you call me up i will take you i will give you the the best tour you could ever have i'll show you where maybe, everything maybe was we'll go this summer man because uh, we'll, we'll have we'll have we'll have the baby we'll have a we'll have a great oh, excuse have to go total take excuse, pictures yeah well, you'll have a little baby and I'll have a, you know, like my kid will be five and he'll be running as fast as he can to the roller coaster. But we'll we'll meet somewhere in the middle. You'll have a great time. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, thank you again, Guy. And I would love to have you on again at some point in the future to, to follow up on everything that you have going on. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dreamers podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.